What does it take to build a championship-level fintech banking platform? To seize and capitalize on the importance of cryptocurrency? To create cultures that encourage debate and lead to innovation? We've got questions. Joanna Pugh, the Managing Director, North America at Mambu, has the answers. And she's going to share them today on this episode of Bankadelic. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate and investigate, actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. And boy, I have to tell you, we have a guest today that she was so gracious to appear on the Valentine's Day podcast and said some things I absolutely loved. thought we've got to have her on. And here she is, Joanna Pugh, a.k.a. Joanna from Louisiana. (laughs) Yeah, Joanna Pugh. Joanna is a self-proclaimed fintech evangelist who serves as the managing director North America at Mambu. Joanna has extensive experience in product management, software development, implementation services, compliance, and business process re-engineering. Joanna, welcome to Bankadelic. Thank you, Lou. Coming to you from Dallas, Texas. Indeed, the big D. We love Dallas. And one thing that you mentioned on the Valentine's Day podcast that really intrigued me. Mambu has a great story behind its name. Share that with us. Yeah. So Mambu came from a school project many, many years back, about 10 years or so. Mambu, the name itself, is bamboo in Indonesian. And the purpose of that was really to establish a company that would allow proliferation and sustainability. And that was kind of the green shoots, if you will, of how Mambu was created to really foster the microfinance divisions in the underbanked areas, starting out in Africa and other areas where there weren't banks and availability for folks to handle financial services and financial technology. And that's where Mambu really got its roots, if you will. A fantastic organization with a fantastic purpose. I'm going to encourage everyone, before we even get into the questions, to check out what Mambu is doing, how they're making a difference. Now... Let's talk a little bit about this notion of solution as platform. There's some sort of disconnect between how people think of that and the core banking system. I'm wondering if you can share with us what your views on that are and where we really need to be headed. Perfect question, Lou. Yes. So when you think about core banking platforms, the F words come to mind, right? FIS, Pfizer, Jack Henry, Finastra, right? And you think about this monolithic tech stack that says, this is how we want to operate a financial institution's business. But if you take a step back and you say, okay, if we're looking to do things differently as we evolve and move forward and we want to be future-proof, we need to take more of a platform approach. And we call ourselves a financial technology platform, not a core banking system. Can we do aspects of core banking? Absolutely. But as a financial technology platform, we actually have the ability to operate at the ground level and extend whatever services you want, much like Salesforce, right on top of us and around us, right? We have translation layers to allow you full API extensibility. 
And so it's not about, okay, tell me how I can open a loan. It's about, okay, tell me how I can operate my next generation of how I want to evolve to represent my customers in the best manner. And so it may not be that we are the core. It may be that we're adjacent to the core. Maybe that we're sitting on top of the core. But just being able to extend what it is that an institution would need, whether they're a bank, a loan company, or any fintech or a neo digital operator in the markets. So the platform really gives you the ability to extend and quickly and rapidly roll out something that your old tech stack won't allow you to. And whether we do that as a pacemaker to your heartbeat, because I can't rip and replace out that Hogan or that thesis that I've had in there for 50 years. So you need something to kind of revive it a little bit, monetize some of the data that's there, extrapolate it, and be able to react quickly to marketing customer demands, or whether it's, hey, I want to go after a new business unit, or I want to be able to provide cryptocurrency as part of the offering to my customers. So I want to attract a different market segment. Wow, you just mentioned cryptocurrency too. And Joanna, I'm going to admit something to you here and the audience is that crypto still confuses me. It's just difficult to grasp how something without a central government in back of it that seems to wildly fluctuate in price is viable in financial services. And yet it definitely is. So tell us about how crypto works into the paradigm as you see it where Mambu is involved. Yeah, so it's a different type of currency, right? It's a different way for a financial institution to be able to allow their customers the ability to buy, sell, trade currencies. It's not unlike anything else you've seen from a market segmentation perspective. If I want to buy corn at such price, you know, or I want to buy oil at different prices, it's the same thing. The only difference is it is a unique entity and a unique, intangible to some degree currency. When you think about it from a financial sector, Think about Robinhood and the customers that they have to have different types of currencies and to do things uniquely and differently the way they want to do business, whether it's FDI insured, et cetera, so on and so forth. Those are the types of customers that now financial institutions find themselves needing to really target. And this is one area and one avenue to be able to target them because they are actively interested in all things unique and different. I mean, the Teslas, electric cars, and things that are off the beaten path are very interesting. What I will tell you is, I don't know if you're part of Clubhouse or not, but hop on there and boy, howdy, do you learn a plethora of information as it relates to Bitcoin and the way that cryptocurrency has just taken the world by storm. If you look at some acquisitions Visa has made recently, if you look at the way some of the financial institutions are looking to build out their product and offerings, crypto is on the path for any institution really looking to expand their client base. And it's something that definitely gets them there. You better believe it. In fact, I'm hesitant to quote a price for Bitcoin because between the time we tape and the time this episode airs, it could be. It could be 100% different. So if Bitcoin fluctuates that much in price, it could be $50,000, it could be $15,000. However, JP Morgan Chase has predicted that in the near term, that Bitcoin is going to go up to $125,000 per coin. So really a remarkable system that functions not just as a currency, but for some people as an investment. That's exactly it. Why do you think my children at 11 and 10 year old have their own E-Trade accounts and going down that path? That is absolutely a risk they're willing to take, right? They're young. They can afford to do that. They don't need to keep it in safe 
Pepsi and Coke stocks, right? They want that little bit of adrenaline rush you get from an investment like this that could go up and down and around. I'm telling you, on those chats in the Bitcoin rooms around the world, it's really interesting to hear the theories and the cycles they go through and some of their objectives and what they're trying to accomplish. And most of it is just playing a game. They like the gamification of it because it does fluctuate so much. It certainly does. And speaking of things that have fluctuated, data, right? In the days of the legacy core, it wasn't just data in silos. It was literally data in paper piles, right? People had no idea that that would function as anything other than record keeping. And we know so much better now. Data can be collected, synthesized, combined, and ultimately monetized. But how do you do that? It takes the platforms to be able to hold the data, to rationalize the data to synthesize the data so that it can be monetized, to begin to bring additive concepts to the data and be able to look at it for actionable results, look at it for how we can go after new target markets, how we can extend our current profile with the wallet share of our existing customers. For investment companies, you think about investment banks, the Goldman's, the Morgan Stanley's, their data is king, right? And how they utilize that is their sole prized possession in some of those institutions. And it's making sure that they can take that data and take a look at their current customer profiles and really drive to new market, drive to new competitive rates and drive and increase profitability through that data. It's not just the data they currently have, it's taking the data they have and marrying it with other data aspects to really drive their future forward. Speaking of driving the future forward, we saw in 2020 this massive acceleration of technology, not just surrounding data, but all aspects of fintech. We're sort of kind of on the path to a new abnormal, maybe I should call it, in 2021. Yet no matter what happens, if the pandemic calms down, we're still going to see a great acceleration of fintech. From where you sit right now, what seems exciting? Quite a few things. So if you take a look at fintechs today, they just want to move quicker, faster and better. And they want to serve their customers in the best way. And so they found a lot of niches where they can take advantage of market segments and plug into a rent a bank, if you will, to be able to acquire loans, deposits, e-wallets, etc. And in doing so, they've really capitalized on some things that are unique to the market that banks and other financial institutions couldn't actually actualize, right? And so they're doing it quicker, faster, and they're now becoming advantageous for some of these cooperative banks to be able to bring in new customers that they didn't have before based on a new product offering that they don't even offer one of their fintechs offers, right? Those types of things are very exciting to see, to watch, to happen. Today, I want to go after all of these conclave of consultants, short-term consultancy projects, and they want to be able to finance the job that they have, but it's not about going to a bank and getting a loan. Now I've got a sector or a group because I'm on a part of a group within this fintech. And now I can go through that fintech and make that happen. Real-time payments, making those happen, the likes of Venmo, Zelle and others, and how they're actually looking to even further monetize those aspects of fintech have been really exciting to kind of get stuck in on and really work with financial institutions and fintechs to actualize the real-time access to that as well. I'm fascinated by culture and how teams of people make a difference. It's not just the objective, but it's the people on the team. And you are working on building out these first class local commercial and operational teams in the North American market. What 
are some of your beliefs on team building? Some of the things that you have made actionable? I'll take North America as an example. For us, it takes a village to raise a child and or to help a child get to the next level, get them past university, get them past childbearing years, all those sorts of things. And so that village can't be sustained by one company alone. So we have all sorts of partnerships that we believe in collaborating and in innovating with. We do lots of ideation sessions, which is just one part of kind of a design thinking theory, but we do lots of ideation sessions where we look to build a better together. What's the art of the possible? How could we make that happen? And our best partners are those partners who want to collaborate with us in that. What we found is creating really diverse teams helps us really expand on what that innovation can and can't be. And we've got a lot of really amazing opportunities with existing partners. We're constantly getting a barrage of partners that want to work with us because of that innovative type of thought process. Everything's worth a phone call. And if we can figure out the art of the possible or maybe some sort of opportunity there, then we look to leverage that within not only the partners within our current markets, but partners for future markets as well. And so for us, that collaboration to get to innovation and really building innovative teams that are focused around that. But the one thing I think that's 100% true, I don't know if you've ever read Radical Candor before, but the one thing that's true is creating that healthy organization where it's okay to have debates, a healthy debate, to understand the whys, the why nots, and understanding all the different diverse thought evocations that could come from any particular individual or partner or even from a customer perspective. So that to me is a secret ingredient for creating a healthy organization. Well, you've given me three things I'm going to steal outright. I'm going to admit it right now. The art of the possible, the better together, and the radical candor. Now to the third point, let's say you're working with an older technology partner and you enjoy the relationship. These are good people, but something's off. It needs to be resuscitated. What's the discussion that needs to take place moving forward? I'm a Southern gal and I always believe that being honest and true from the get-go and establishing, sometimes I say at meeting, we got to have that meeting to say, hey, this isn't working for us or what's not working for you and having that debate, that healthy debate that's got to happen. Because if you don't open up, I can't help you, right? But if you open up and you say, here are my pain points, here are the challenges and you know, here's what we're trying to accomplish. Okay, let's share that together and collaborate that's when you get the best results, right? I've worked with a lot of those organizations before. I can remember first coming into Mambu and saying, okay, sir, I'm going to call this meeting, but this isn't working out for us. This is a very one-sided partnership. How do we correct that? And, you know, the gentleman, he said, you know, thank you for saying that. That's the first time anybody's ever told us that. And this is the pretty darn big company. It's not just older folks. It's the way the company worked, right? It had different standards. But I believe that's some of the things that have to happen to get to the best results. You ready for some radical candor? Sure. Are you going to tell me my hair's not blonde enough? <laughs> well, you at least have hair. I'm bald on the top. <laughs> the radical candor is you kicked butt today, Joanna. What a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Oh, excellent, Lou. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope one day I can pull out the ivories and you pull out the guitar and we can make some beautiful music together. Joanna from Louisiana, thank you so much. Joanna Pugh, FinTech Evangelist Managing Director North America at Mambo. She is based in Dallas, the Big D. You can look for Joanna on LinkedIn. Bankadelic, 
sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. Have you thought about how you'll gain the upper hand in your search for stellar talent? Banker Hire leverages a niche industry with uncommon insight. They're committed to finding you qualified commercial and community banking, lending, compliance, HR, retail, and wealth talent. Banker Hire prides itself on listening and solving problems. Their approach is 100% hands-on and heads-up, giving you what you need to make smart, actionable decisions. For more information, visit BankerHire.com. Quantic is the adaptive digital bank that offers entrepreneurs, immigrants, millennials, low-income families, seniors, and others innovative banking products and services which embrace the diversity of circumstances that exist in the lives of customers while elevating their financial strength. For more information, visit QuanticBank.com. That's Q-U-O-N-T-I-C Bank.com. And now, Bankadelic presents Radical Candor. Lou Colozo has all of the elocution of an African bull seal in heat, and he insults his guests, asking questions that are beneath their dignity, and has absolutely no knowledge of how the financial services industry works. We'd be better off if Lou stuck to the duties of sweeping out the rubbish and cleaning out the toilet stalls and all of the other things that he thinks he's much too good to do. But maybe the worst part of all is that Lou has a tendency, a pronounced tendency to cut people off when they're trying to make an incredibly crucial point like the one I'm about to- Three Bullseyes. Number one. The Goldman's, the Morgan Stanley's, their data is king, right? And it's making sure that they can take that data and take a look at their current customer profiles and really drive to new market, drive to new competitive rates, and drive an increased profitability. Number two. One thing that's true is creating a healthy organization where it's okay to have debates, a healthy debate, to understand the whys, the why nots, and understanding all the different diverse thought evocations that could come from any particular individual or partner. Number three. Cryptocurrency has just taken the world by storm. If you look at some acquisitions Visa has made recently, if you look at the way some of the financial institutions are looking to build out their product and offerings, crypto is on the path. For any institution really looking to expand their client base, it's something that definitely gets them there. And now, lose views. Joanna Pugh brought up a number of crucial points today that are all interdependent. Number one, that data is fueling the revolution in companies that want to understand what their customers want. Number two, that digital enabled platforms are the future of banking and the fintechs who are doing it are way out in front of everyone else. Number three, 
Healthy cultures encourage debate. They encourage radical honesty. Radical honesty, I get. What I don't get is why so many organizations give the supervisors and managers the right to be radically honest, but not the employees. Try being the one person at a work meeting who is not of a supervisory level, who wants to speak up and says, I don't like the way we're doing things, or this is a pretty unproductive way to approach the problem we're trying to solve. It takes a lot of courage, even in a healthy workplace, to speak up. Imagine what it's like when the supervisors are entrenched and there's an attitude of, we've always done it this way. Financial institutions that are questioning have an opportunity to look in the mirror and say, do we encourage radical candor and honesty in our organization? And if not, why not? We have an opportunity to move forward and to encourage the kind of back and forth and honest communication that will lead us to productivity, possibility, and positivity in the workplace. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Jenny Elman. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous sponsorship. Thanks to Banker Hire. Thanks also to Quantic. I'm Lou Carlozo. You can catch me on LinkedIn and at the coffee shop thinking about another iced mocha. Until next time, so long. Bankadelic is a production of Contrarian New Media, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.